morning. Welcome to Sunday morning services with McDowell Missions Ministries and, and Lori, my wife, and myself. We're so glad that you're able to join with us today. Whether you are watching from uh, either the John Thompson Center or the Friendship Home, or maybe you're watching from your home today, we trust that God's Word is going to be a blessing to you. We hope you've had a good week. We hope you're healthy. And we want to open, as we always do, with prayer requests. There are plenty of things to pray for today. There are plenty of people who are sick. The coronavirus is reportedly to be spreading again. A lot of indecision. A lot of things, a lot of questions that are surrounding a lot of things right now. And honestly, I believe that we're expecting too much from leaders. I believe we're expecting too much from scientists. I believe we're expecting too much from physicians. I don't believe we're expecting enough from God. I believe we need to be seeking God's hand. Genuinely seeking I'm not saying the scientists and doctors and political leaders don't play a role. They do. But we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for God to move in their hearts and lives. And we need to be praying for God to move across this land. Am I saying this is sent by God as a plague? No, not necessarily. I'm not saying it couldn't be either. But what I am saying is it is an opportunity for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this country to look at their relationship with God and look at exactly what they're expecting and who they're expecting it from. God loves us. God wants to be our God. He wants to be our Savior. We have to return to Him. And I believe that if we will do that, God will open the minds of the physicians, of the scientists, of the leaders, and God will give answers. What about the situations that aren't COVID-related? What about those who are struggling with other health problems? We want to pray with you today, too. Because we believe that God holds the key to your situation. Whether it is a healing, whether it is simply grace, as was given to Paul. I don't know, but I know God holds that key. Also, there's civil unrest, violence, that is moving across our land. We are attributing that violence to the, to the racism. But you see, we're not attributing racism to evil. We need to be praying to God for Him to move in this way. Listen, we've got so much to pray for. We have so many opportunities setting before us to lift up God. 
I'm sure many of you have your own prayer requests, but you're free to share them as we're Facebook Live today. List them to the detail that you want. Join in and be a part of our service today. Give your comments, your praise reports, your prayer requests, the things that are concerning you. God will work in our lives. God will give us peace and God will give us contentment through whatever situation it is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we will be in our subject today, we'll be in our text, it will be Mark chapter 2, we'll begin reading with verse 13, but before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father and Lord God, thank you for the privilege of opening your word. Lord, I come to you today asking that you would anoint it to touch hearts and lives around the world. Lord, I pray you would take this message and put it into the ears and into the hearts of those who need it today. Those who are lost and undone without your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are saved today, but who are struggling. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would help us. I pray you would draw us closer to you through your word. Heavenly Father, I know that only you can accomplish those things. As your messenger, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. That you would give the words to, to, to say and the, the words that would touch people through love and compassion, but with passion for Jesus Christ. Be with us throughout the preaching and teaching of this message. May it reach the hearts of those who have intended it to reach. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. And he, being Jesus, went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, 
and then shall they fast in those days. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Well, we find Jesus on the move. He has been traveling and he comes by the seaside. And he's walking around and there's a multitude of people that are following him. And Jesus is teaching them. He's talking to them as he goes. And I'm sure the crowd is gathering larger and larger and larger. And he comes by an individual named Levi. We know him as Matthew. So Levi is sitting there doing his job. Levi is a tax collector. Now many of you are aware of the story of the tax collector and the history of it. But just in case, there are some out there watching today who don't really understand what that means. Let me explain. You see, in the Roman government in this day, the Romans, they had a government tax. So, with all of that said, they didn't have their own tax collectors, but what they done was they went out into the communities and they pulled people and they put them in the job of being a tax collector. They didn't pay them for They told them that this is what the Roman government expects. Anything above that you collect, you can keep. So tax collectors were very wealthy people. They put a heavy burden on the tax-paying public. You see, many of them lived in nice houses. They were, uh, they were wickedly unscrupulous in the way they handled things. They, uh, they inflated the tax rates so that they would live nicely, regardless of the hurt that they placed on those around. So Matthew, being a Jew, was not liked by the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, we can say that Matthew was an outcast. So when Jesus walked by Matthew, he knew this. He knew the story. He knew the situation. But let's think about Matthew and what Matthew was exposed to. You see, this Matthew, this was Jesus' call to Matthew. But Matthew had been in this area and he had witnessed all of Jesus' teachings. He had witnessed and heard about the healings and the miracles. And now here come this man and Matthew, when we go through and we look, at all of the people involved. We look at the ones that Matthew in chapter 9 verses 9 through 13 talk about. And Luke chapter 5 verses 27 through 32 talk about. We get this history. And Matthew had been hearing Jesus. And Matthew was sitting there thinking, Man, I really wish I could get hooked up. But the Pharisees would have nothing to do with Matthew. The Jewish people would have nothing to do with him. So Matthew said, Jesus walked by, turning to Matthew, Levi. He said, Follow me. Follow me. And if you look in your Bible, 
follow me ends a sentence. Not a question. Jesus did not ask Levi to follow him. Jesus told him, follow me. He knew Matthew's desire. He knew Matthew wanted to know Jesus on a personal level. So Jesus just simply said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us about the love of Christ? Christ knows what goes on in our hearts daily. Christ knows our weaknesses. He knows our failures. He knows our sin. He knows our, our selfishness. He knows our lust. He knows everything about us. He also knows that when we come into contact with Jesus, even today the preaching of the Word of God and Jesus' own words, when we come in contact with Him, our heart wants that relationship. Somebody's heart out there today wants that relationship. Jesus is telling you, follow me. Well, I can't. I've burned too many bridges. No, you haven't. You don't know what I've done in my life. No, I don't, and I don't need to. The Lord does. And He's still saying, follow me. Are the drugs and the alcohol. Are they worth it? Are they worth separating you from that relationship that you know you want with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is the lust, the sexual immorality, the, the abominations and the perversions, are they worth it? When you know, when you get in the presence of Jesus, He's saying, follow me. Why don't you do what Matthew done? Why don't you arose and follow Him? Just get out and come after Jesus. Let me show you what happens when a sinner a reject. Someone whom the Pharisees wanted nothing to do with. Someone who wanted nothing but to follow Jesus. Let me show you what happens. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in his house. So Levi says, look, I want all of you to come to my house. We're going to have dinner, big dinner. And not only did he invite 
Jesus and the disciples, the followers, but he invited other publicans and sinners, other outcasts, other people that society pushed aside, other people the Pharisees pushed aside, other people who religion had written off, folks who didn't qualify for the ceremonies and the rituals of religion. Matthew went out and got him. And he invited them to come in. And not only them, but the Pharisees showed up as well. <coughs> so now we have a big house full of people. We have those that follow Jesus. We have those that are looking to discredit Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, all of those folks. And we have those who have always been an outcast, but they've heard things about Jesus and they're there to hear him. They're there to be a part of what he has to say. Is that any different than the world that we have today? Is it any different than the calling of the Great Commission that's placed on your life, Christian, and my life? We, we are all sinners. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. And yet Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He told Nicodemus that no one can come into heaven unless they've been born again. And he explained that to Nicodemus. Spiritual. Christian. Think about your own past. What did Jesus save you out of? Where were you when you followed Jesus? What did you have to set aside? What did you have to put before him to remove out of your life? What type of change took place? You see, we need to be following Matthew's example. We need to be going to the people that that's so closely related to us, people that we can relate to, people that we can influence, people that we can say, listen, I've got somebody in my life that I need to tell you about. No, I don't need the alcohol anymore. No, I don't need the drugs. No, I don't need the pornography. No, I don't need these abominations and all of these other things anymore. I don't need Sodom and Gomorrah in my life anymore. And let me tell you why I don't need it anymore. It's not because of me. It is because of Jesus. We need to be sharing that. And bringing people to Jesus. We need to be also realize that there are Pharisees among us. Sadly, there are plenty of people out there today 
who want to say, I remember they, they used to be a loose living man or woman. They used to be, they were sexually immoral. I don't know about them. I don't know if we need to trust them. I don't know if we need to believe them. I understand the responsibility of protecting the church from predators. But I also understand the commission of Christ to bring people to it. And there is a way to make those two work and make them work safely and make them work properly so that those who are seeking Jesus and are wanting to follow Him have that door open to them. But it takes the Matthews, the Levi's of the Christian faith to step out and do that. Are you ready for that challenge? Christian, are you ready to be Levi today? Because if we get right down to the bottom line, to the nitty gritty, we were saved off of that same tax collector's table. We were the outcast. We were those whom nobody liked. We were those that everybody would party with, but nobody really trusted. Nobody really wanted. And then Jesus came into our lives and Jesus said, follow me. We can find ourselves in that same spot if we're honest with ourselves today. If we're really honest with God and we're really honest about where we came from, we were sitting at that tax collector's table and Jesus came by. After we heard his voice, after we heard what he could do. And he knew in our heart that we desired him. He came by. And he said, follow me. But then we go into these scribes and these Pharisees. And they saw Jesus eating with these publicans and sinners. And, and they asked how how is it that he eats with these people? They're defiled. They can't touch anything. But yet he's eating after them. They're handing him bread. And they're handing him drink. And they're handing him food. And Jesus comes back with one of the most powerful statements in the New Testament. They that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Friends, are we sick with sin today? Are we sick with separation from God? Yes, I spoke earlier in the prayer request about being sick with COVID and being sick with all of these other things that are out there and being sick with wickedness and violence. 
but are we sick spiritually? That is the greatest and most damning sickness that a person can have. To be spiritually eaten up and knowing, knowing there is something out there that can heal us. Knowing there's a vaccine. And that vaccine's name is Jesus. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus has came to heal those that are sick in sin today. He didn't call the righteous. He calls the weak. He calls sinners to repentance. I'm glad he does because I was one of those sinners called to repentance. I was. Me. Me. And he called me to repentance. And I believe he is calling many to repentance today through this broadcast. I believe he is calling many to repentance today who are listening and watching your heart is being broken because you know the life that you're leaving, leading is one that is sick and full of sin and it is full of wickedness. And God is saying, here is Jesus, the great physician, and he's wanting to heal you. Why are you putting it off? Why are you pushing it aside when such a great physician is standing there waiting. He leveled that against the Pharisees in front of the whole room. And the whole room were sinners. The publicans of their sin. The others among their vileness and weakness. The Pharisees with their self-righteousness. Jesus was placing it out there for every one of them to know that he's calling them to repentance. There he is. Hope. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope today in spite of everything that we're watching on the news. There is hope in the Word of God through salvation in Christ. But then there was another issue that the Pharisees wanted to raise. And not only those, but John the Baptist's disciples were in there too. And they were all fasting. But Jesus' disciples weren't. To understand this, we better understand what it means to fast. Fasting was an act that went with mourning. Whether it was mourning and grieving sin, mourning and grieving other things, the Old Testament is full of the teachings of fasting and what are involved in them and the purpose behind them. We know that King David fasted after his son, after his illegitimate son with Bathsheba died. We know that they're fasting placed all over God's Word for different reasons, but they're all 
there because of mourning and grieving. So Jesus comes back and John's disciples were grieving because he was locked up in prison ready to be executed. The Pharisees, they were grieving because they were just a miserable bunch of people. They were spiritually miserable. Their message was messages that were all selfish and self-centered and they were following rituals without any spiritual content to it at all. But Jesus' followers, they, they were not mourning. Why? Well, Jesus asked them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast? Can the, can the guest of the wedding fast while the bridegroom is with them? Now, remember, the children of the bride chamber and the bridegroom, they have this big feast and this big party that will last a week or so. And it's the drinking of the wine and the eating of the food and the, the making of Mary all through that week for the coming wedding at the end. And Jesus is asking them, can they quit eating and start fasting as long as the bridegroom is with them and as long as the festivities are going on? As long as there's a reason to celebrate, as long as there's a reason to praise, as long as there's a reason to worship, as long as there's a Jesus to stand in front of, can they fast? Because there's nothing to be mournful of. But Jesus says the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken. And they will fast. The day that Jesus spoke of was his ascension into heaven. From that day we had the birth of the church. From the birth of the church, we have the anticipation of the rapture of the church. From the rapture of the church, we will have the anticipation of the millennial reign of Christ. Folks, today, we fast spiritually for Jesus. Because He's not physically with us. We're not physically with Him. Spiritually, yes. We have plenty of things to worship. We have plenty to praise Him for. We have plenty to preach and teach and learn about. We have everything to tell others about. As it's given to us in this lovely word we call our Bible. But in reality, we're fasting because we're mourning His presence in our life. Physically, His presence. You see, you are living in a spot and in a day and in an age and in a time where you have the anticipation of the physical reunion with Christ. But before you can realize that anticipation, you have to follow it. You have to follow it. 
You have to do as Levi done. You have to be sitting at that table and Jesus comes by and Jesus says, follow me. I believe again that Jesus is saying, follow me to those out there today. There may be one, there may be 100, there may be 1,000, but I believe Jesus is saying, follow me. And I want to encourage you to get up. To get up from that life of sin. To get up from that life of suffering. To get up from that life of being incomplete, incomplete, undone without Christ. And come to Him as Nicodemus did. And be born again. Be born again into the family of God through Jesus Christ and understand what it's like to be whole. Understand what it's like to be healed by the great physician. Understand what it is like to have repentance in your life. To be able to lay all of that guilt, all of that trouble, all of those things aside that are bothering you, things that you know are wrong in your life, to be able to say, even though I feel like God doesn't want me, I found out through Jesus Christ He does want me. And He will take me. Because I promise you He will. He saved this sinner. He will save you. If he is saying to you, follow me, get up and follow me. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Jesus is saying, follow you. If he's saying to you, follow me, pray along and ask him into your heart. You don't have to repeat a prayer. All you have to do is just come to Jesus and ask Him in your, in your heart, in your words, meaning it, being sincere and genuine. And Jesus, the great physician, will make you whole. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that you have given. Thank you for the word that you have given. Lord, I know there are those out there today whom you have been touching and whom you have been asking, follow me. Lord, I pray that they will that they will bow before you. And I pray that they will ask you into their heart. And I pray that it will be genuine. And I pray that it will be sincere. And Lord, I pray that you will heal them and make them whole spiritually as only you can do. Lord, I know that Matthew couldn't get up on his own without you saying, follow me. Lord, I know those out there today can't be saved without you saying, follow me. And Lord, I believe you're telling those, follow me. I believe you're saying that today. Lord, I believe there are some that will. Lord, I believe there are some that have strayed and have fallen away. And they know that they have answered that statement. They have answered your call to follow them before, to follow you. Lord, they've strayed away in their life. And Lord, I pray that you'll call them back 
and get them back into the house where they can hear your teaching. Get them back into that fold of the signs. Lord, I pray for our leaders. I pray for the physicians and scientists. I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those that are hurting and suffering today. Lord, I ask that you touch hearts and lives according to your will. Heavenly Father, as we depart and go our way, may you bless each and every one that you give the privilege of hearing your word today. Heavenly Father, take this word, spread it abroad. May it accomplish that which you have purposed it to do. May it not return to you, boy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Another service, another Sunday. May God bless you, is my prayer. Goodbye.